Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Welcome to the Build to Last workshop series. I am so excited that you are tuning in and joining me for this very special four-part episode series. So I want you to get ready to do some real work with me. This is a workshop-style podcast series, so definitely grab your pen, a peeper, and don't forget your workbook to download from the show notes. So while you're getting those items, let me share with you the reasoning behind this series. And again, if you are listening to this while you're doing other things, that's totally fine. You could definitely listen in. The implementation of this content and training really, really comes into effect when you can pause and actually follow along in the workbook or take notes. So just as a disclaimer before we get started. So last month, I held my live event called the Summit of Excellence. And while reflecting about the incredible leadership training and connections and relationships that we built during this experience, I really reflected on my desire to continue to deliver more powerful trainings to up-level, to give the school leaders the confidence, the decision-making skills, and some more of that just strategic level of thinking and practical strategies for their center. There are so many of you who were not able to attend the in-person event, and the in-person event is really just a very different type of experience. And so this is why I'm releasing this Build to Last workshop series. So over the course of these four episodes, you are going to learn how to shift your mindset with vital decision-making skills. We're going to talk about how to manage your time more efficiently, right? How to manage your energy and your time so you can get more done and understand the priorities that you need to work on in your center. We're going to talk about how to continue to build your legacy with your school culture and how to get better at navigating conflict. So again, this is a four-part series. Every single week over the next four weeks, we're going to be digging into another specific area. So I'm excited to dig in. 
Let's get started. Today is all about culture, all about how to build a culture of innovation and risk-taking. So thank you everyone again for joining me. So page 16 in the workbook, we're starting with culture. The school culture is an effect of the leader's daily behaviors, actions, and routines. I want you guys to write that in the comments right now as a reminder for yourself. It is a feedback loop that I want you to close for yourself. The school culture is an effect of the leader's daily behaviors behaviors, actions, and routines. School culture is not gift cards. School culture is not raises. School culture is not promotion. School culture is not access to 401ks or Roth IRAs. School culture is an effect of the leader's daily behaviors, actions, and routines. So let me see that in the comments. Write that out here. Let me see who's resonating with that. Feel that inside of you. That is the ripple effect. Everything we're talking about today is your impact on culture. Okay. Now I've told many of you my story before. If you listen to the podcast, you know, a little bit of my backstory, if you've seen our website and over the course of many, many years of building schools, I was really looking for how to really build a culture of excellence. I wanted to build a beautiful place where all of my teachers and all the people on my leadership team were excited to show up every day, right? I wanted them to be there to give the best for the kids, for the families. And over my time as being a teacher and a head teacher and director and moving through, I developed so many different initiatives um, as a teacher and all of the different hundreds of different initiatives that I created are actually inside the membership vault that our members have access to all of our parent initiative programs, different projects, how to help teachers meet deadlines, all the things that I create as a director that help my school, I actually brought in and developed that for our members. Something important to remember, again, as I teach through culture here, and I want you guys to understand this, Schools of Excellence has nine trademarks and dozens and dozens of intellectual property that we have created that is unique for Schools of Excellence that we teach our members. So we have nine trademarks, nine unique pieces of content and training that are trademark in the U.S. patent trademark that we've uniquely created to help school leaders build and sustain Schools of Excellence. Our content is not good. Google. You cannot Google the strategies that I'm going to be teaching you here today or the strategies that we teach in the membership. Whatever you can find on Google, that's what you should find on Google, not anywhere else, right? Not in a paid program, not in a workshop like this. Go Google it. What I'm going to teach you here is stuff that you don't Google. It is a disruption of thinking. It's an elevation of mindset. It's understanding how to look at your school differently. And you are the cap that everything happens in your school. When you stop ever everything else stop. When you stop developing yourself, your culture will immediately start turning toxic, gossip, call outs, latenesses, all of those things. I just had an owner message me just a couple of days ago and I was sensing it. I knew it was coming because she's been disengaged and I know that she's not showing up for her staff. And I said, ding, ding, soon she's going to message me that she has a toxic culture and she's going to want my help. And lo and behold, yesterday she sent me a DM really struggling with negative energy. There's a lot of toxicity in my center. And I told her exactly what I'm going to teach you today. Going to teach you the foundation of building a culture of excellence. The moment you turn away from this foundational skill, your school becomes toxic. There's gossip. There's sarcasm. There's backtalk. There's complacency. There's lack of buy-in. There's resistance. There's pushback. There's all of those things. So if you guys are seeing that now and you want those strategies, you're in the right place. So thanks for joining me. Okay. No gift cards. No, that is not a culture of excellence. That is not a culture of excellence. Okay. So 
why are we constantly working on culture, right? Why is culture an effect of the leader's daily behaviors, actions, and routines? Well, that's because you're dealing with people and people are a moving target. It is not playing darts. It's a moving target. Humans, teachers, leaders, kids are a moving target, which means what you do impacts them immediately. And you might do something that worked yesterday that doesn't work today. Anyone here have toddlers? Anyone here been a toddler teacher? Here's a little secret. The strategy that worked yesterday to get them into bed doesn't work today. The strategy that worked yesterday to transition all the kids from here to here, which worked amazing over the last two weeks, all of a sudden doesn't work anymore. Give me a hell yes in the comments if that's ever happened to you and you want to bang your head against the steering wheel. Why doesn't it work today? Well, here's why. People are a moving target. Culture is not a project. It is not something that you do once. It is a leadership drill. You are constantly working on your culture. Right. I was talking a couple months ago with an owner and she was like, yeah, over the next couple of weeks, I'm really working on culture. I was like, that's like telling me over the next couple of weeks, I'm really working on my toothbrushing skills. You need to brush your teeth every day. You need to take a shower every day. You need to eat every day. You need to move your body every day. Don't tell me that. Yeah. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm working on eating. You got to eat every day. You can't fast for three weeks. You will die. When you stop working on your culture, your culture dies. It turns toxic. It turns negative. It turns passive aggressive. People are a moving target. You cannot stop working on this. Okay? This is why you cannot have a one-trick pony. This is why you can't just do gift cards, right? Gift cards, gifts, appreciation. Super easy. It's the easiest thing to do, right? When directors tell me things like, oh, I just bought a bunch of manicures. I'm like, that's really easy. My 11-year-old can book 11 manicures for all your teachers. All he has to do is go onto the website, click 11, add to cart. Boom, 11 people have manicures. That is not gratitude. That is not culture. It's not. It's just not. Buying your teacher's manicures is not culture. It's not. Please remember that. And I will say it to death today. Gift cards, gifts, raises, promotions, bonuses, all of those things. It is not culture. It's a symptom. It's a side product. It's a great perk. It is not why people come to your school. They do not come work for you because you give them manicures once a month. That is not why people work for you. That is not why people stay. People do not stay because you gave them an extra roll of toilet paper when COVID hit. That is not why people stay. So how are we going to start knowing how to build this culture, right? I keep talking about this, isn't it? So what is it? What is a culture of innovation and risk-taking? Well, I'm going to ask you guys to do an exercise now that is going to look so simple, but is going to be so brutally hard. So here we go. Page 16. Fill in the blank. I'll know we've achieved a culture of innovation and risk-taking when I see, hear, and feel X. A lot of times people say, well, I know what I want. I want this. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to see in your culture? How are you going to know that you have a culture of innovation and risk-taking? What do you need to see? What do you need to hear? What do you need to feel? You need to be specific. You need to be specific. Hashtag specific, specificity, clarity. You need to tell your people exactly what you want to see. What do you need to see in order to know that you've achieved a culture of innovation and risk-taking? How will you know when you've achieved success? What does it look like? See, 
Fill out the first one, C. So Karen says, I'll see coworkers sharing information and materials not huddled in their offices with their doors closed. Beautiful, Karen. Look how specific. Beautiful. People are not afraid to make mistakes. So you're going to see people not afraid to make mistakes. What is not afraid to make mistakes look like? It's not specific enough. What does it look like when you have a culture that people are not afraid to make mistakes? Connie says, I need to see staff offering to help each other. Noella says, I need to see things being less. What does that look like? A classroom that's less teacher-directed in a toddler room looks very different than a classroom that's not teacher-directed in a four-year-old or in an infant room. Specificity. What do you actually need to see? What does it mean to take risks? What does it mean to take risks in a Montessori school, in a Reggio-inspired school, in a Waldorf school, in a faith-based school, in a nature-based school? What does it mean to take risks? specificity. Again, you're here because you want me to help disrupt your thinking, to elevate your mindset. So your first answer is never the right answer, right? Because you got to dig deeper. What is ownership? What does it mean when you see ownership? What does that look like? What does it actually look like when someone owns something? Okay, we'll see teachers feeling comfortable by using new innovative approaches in their classroom. What does that mean? What does that look like in the block center when they use an innovative approach? What does that look like in the art center? What does that look like in the writing center? Specificity. Again, I'm drilling in because you came here to learn how to build a culture. I'm not giving you answers. I'm giving you questions to ask yourself. Dig deep. Okay, I want to see teachers handling parents on their own without so much guidance from administration. Okay, so what does it mean less guidance from administration? Does that mean they don't get to ask administration any questions? Does that mean they decrease the amount of questions? What does that actually look like? Okay, let's see some more here. Consistency. Consistency in what? People in other spaces, trying new things, working with kiddos in all ways, teachers working together to help each other and brainstorming all day. Do you really want to see people brainstorming all day in an eight hour shift? Do you want to see teachers brainstorming all day? Specificity, right? I would like to see you guys having a specific time block that you brainstorm at least three times a week. Show me what that looks like. Give them the expectation. Okay, give them the expectation, a buzz and excitement to engage and teach children. What is a buzz mean? Okay, that word can mean a lot of things. There's a lot of people after they have alcohol that are buzz. What does buzz mean in your school? What does buzz mean in a two-year-old classroom? Positive communication among staff and children. What does positive mean? What does it mean when there's positive communication? Does that mean everyone's smiling? Does that mean they're using specific words? What kind of words do you want them to use? Does it matter which age group? Does it matter who they're talking to? Specificity. I told you this seems easy. It is not. This is the hardest exercise you will ever do when it comes to culture. When you get clear on this, that's when the magic happens. When you get clear, that's when the magic happens. Okay, so that is C. Let's go to the next one here. What do you need to hear in your school to know that you've achieved a culture of innovation and risk taking? What do you need to hear at your staff meetings? What do you need to hear in the hallway? What do you need to hear in the teacher's lounge? What do you need to hear at drop off? What do you want to hear at pickup? 
specificity. Guys, when you get clear, that is when you can hold people accountable. When you tell someone, this is what I want to see at drop off, and then they have trouble doing it. Now you can hold them accountable to it, right? But when you tell someone be positive, well, what do you mean? You want me to be positive all day? No one's positive all day. Welcome to real life. You're allowed to be frustrated every once in a while. Don't tell me I need to be brainstorming all day. Don't tell me I need to be intentional with the children all day. I'm intentional right now with you guys for an hour, but I don't do eight hour trainings like this in a row. That would kill me. Okay. I have super high energy, super focus, super intention. And right after this, I have an hour nap schedule. It's on my calendar, right? Super high energy. It's amazing, but super high energy. I got to take care of myself after. Right? So don't say all day. There's nothing you're supposed to do all day besides for watch the kids and keep them alive all day. Visual kindness amongst staff. What do you want to hear? Sharing positive experience, achievements, teachers approach each child, get down on their level, welcome them, tell the child they're happy to see them. Beautiful, right? Look at that specificity. Teachers are asked higher level questions to children to develop critical thinking skills. When do you want them to do that? Do you want them to ask higher level thinking questions at learning circle when they're playing in the blocks, when they're outside? When do you want them to do it? Your answer can't be all the time. You need to pick specific times when you want them to be committed to it. I want to hear teachers stepping away verbally or physically when they are overwhelmed. Okay. What does it mean you want to hear them? You want you, you want to hear them say, hi, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stepping away. What do you want to hear them saying? We'll hear encouraging comments being made to each other like your activity about letters were so engaging. I like the materials that you use. Beautiful. Okay, let's go to the next one. Feel. What do you need to feel when you walk into the building to know that you've achieved a culture of innovation and risk taking? What do you need to feel? You want to feel positive energy. Okay, get super clear on what that feels like. What does it feel like when you're feeling a positive energy? Does it feel light? Does it feel like you have brain space? What does it feel like? I want them to feel like they want to sit and stay a while. Who? The teachers? You want to feel excitement. You want to feel encouragement. Again, remember, this is like, this is hard. Remember that in order to get what we want, we actually have to know what we want. I always tell school leaders, the biggest problem school leaders have is that they don't know what their biggest problem is. The biggest challenge that school leaders have about their culture is they don't know what they want when it comes to their culture. They know what they don't want but they don't know what they want. And so when you know what you don't want, whatever you focus on, you get more of. So you're constantly focusing on what you don't want. So you get more of that. When you learn how to shift your energy and you live in a high vibration of this is what I do want, that's what you start to create more of. We're going to talk about that more today when we have our two guests that come on. I always give the example. It's like when you come into a restaurant and the waiter says, what do you want to eat? Uh, What would you like to order? And you say, I want food and I want a drink. What kind of food do you want? Do you want an appetizer? Do you want an entree? Do you want fish? Do you want meat? Do you want sides? Do you want vegan? Do you want a dessert? Do you want a sweet dessert? Do you want a savory dessert? What kind of drink do you want? Do you want a coffee? Do you want wine? Do you want red wine? Do you want white wine? Do you want a beer? Do you want liquor? Do you want a cocktail? What would you like? There's so many different types of food and drink. You have to be specific. You can't just say, I want a culture of innovation and risk-taking. You can't just say, I want a culture of excellence. You can't just say, I want this and this. You've got to be specific about what you want. And then you create a plan of how to get there, right? This is what we do in our inner circle, in our owner's group. People tell 
our head of community, what they want. And then she shows them the path to get there. She shows them the training, the coaching, the accountability, the mentorship, the role playing that it takes to get there, right? You can't just say, oh, I want this. And now I'm going to go get it. How are you going to get it? What's your plan to get there? What are your action steps to get there? Let's go to the next page in the workbook. We are going to page 17. Okay. Teachers place safe bets because of fear. It's the number one driver for teachers not being creative, not being, not taking initiative, not having ownership, not sharing during staff meetings. Here's something important to remember. Teachers never rise to the level of the school goals. They will always fall to the quality of their habits and routines. I want to share with you a story about a client of ours who started in our directors in our circle and moved her way into our Owners HQ program when we opened that up as well. You see, Griffin is the owner of the Growing Room Preschool in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when she first came to the Summit of Excellence, she was working 80 hours a week. She had high blood pressure and was just working way harder than she needed to. She was just trying to wing it, trying to stop all the chaos that was happening in her center. But the biggest thing she was really looking to shift was the culture around turning her center into a career for her teachers and for them to stop looking at their jobs as being babysitters. She wanted to raise the standard. She wanted to create a culture where people were proud of where they went to work. So I wanna share with you Missy's story here. We grew really rapidly and we hired a big chunk of people at once. Um, and I had never really done hiring. I had a one room school for 17 years. I thought I could just wing it and figure it out as I go. And so I made tons of mistakes, made a mess, um, was operating out of fear of not having employees and not being able to make payroll and losing students and things like that. And my school was excellent and it was, um, and it always had been. We had a great reputation, we were growing so rapidly and I was ruining it and it, that was killing me because that was my baby. And so um, I went online and tried to figure out what I was gonna do about that and repeatedly saw Connie's name. So I was like, all right, I, I was looking for a book or something, like I didn't even know these kind of things existed. So I came last year and I remember sitting um, out there and looking at the women up here that were on the inner circle um, and I was just thinking, wow, they're running really great schools and I'm not and I'm gonna get there. And so um, I, what I, my biggest epiphany was um, I didn't have to dumb down um, and take anybody. Um, it was an excellent school and I needed to remind myself of that and it was a, a pleasure, to, it's a privilege to work there. So, and because it is an awesome school and so um, I needed to meet my standards for that and so um, what I started doing was creating the standards of excellence um, through the program and it was life changing. Um, and, um, and so I realized that um, just like with our kids, we set high expectations for them, and when they meet them, they're proud of themselves. And I don't know why that didn't sink in, but as soon as we set the standards high for the teachers and told them crystal clear what they at least had to meet, then they all kind of rose to the challenge, and they all think of it as a career now, where it was, like I had one teacher tell me it felt like babysitting, and I was like, oh, ouch. Not that that's like a bad thing, but yeah. that's not what I'm running here. This is, yeah. this is a school of Yes. And so, and I knew it, but I couldn't get it across to anybody else. So, what I needed to do was quit um, n not raising the bar for them. And, and when, as soon as I did, it was like overnight almost. They, you know, we had them sign their standards, and and they instantly rose to the occasion. Um, 
And my life went from chaos and crazy. Like my blood pressure had gone up. Um, I hadn't seen my husband in a month. <laughs> like it was crazy. I was working like 80 hour weeks and still failing. And, and I couldn't do any more than I was doing. I was just doing it wrong. So now I'm working half as much. My blood pressure's down. It's, it's amazing. So, so this group of women that I was so excited to, to watch and observe and I was so um, envious of, I can't believe I'm sitting up here. You may have found yourself nodding your head or just taking a deep breath when you heard Missy share her story. You may resonate with parts of it and part of it may be your life right now. And I want you to know that Missy's story isn't unique or special. It's a story of thousands of school owners who are struggling to really get out of the chaos and get out of survival and really learn the systems, the processes, and the most importantly, the mindset to be a leader and build a school of excellence. So if you're interested in learning more about our directors in our circle, our Owners HQ program, I invite you to apply. Our link is in the show notes. The reason we have an application process is because this group is a small curated experience of owners and directors who are really committed to their growth, to the pursuit of excellence, and to building long-term sustainability, legacy, and profit in their schools. I look forward to seeing your application and I hope you join us. Teachers never rise to the level of the school goals. They will always fall to the quality of their habits and routines. You can say all day long that we have a goal, that we want teachers to be creative, to be innovative, to speak intentionally, to brainstorm, to do this, to do all the things that you said. Here's facts. This is real data. This is real science. Teachers will never rise to that, ever. Everyone falls to the quality of their habits and routines. You want teachers up here? Change your habits and routines. And guess what? It's not about how do I get my teachers to do that? It's how do I get myself to do it first and do it consistently and be disciplined and be determined and show up consistently? Then it happens for the staff. When you are asking questions, how do I get my staff to do that? You're out. You're out of the game. You're out of the game before you started. Your question is, how do I show up for myself? How do I do this for me? What are the habits that I need to adopt to create this amazing culture? Not what do the teachers need to do? No, it's you. It starts with you. You are at the center of the ripple effect. So if teachers don't rise to the level of our goals, right? What's really going on, right? They're placing safe bets because of fear. They're worried about what's going to happen to them, right? They're worried about all these things. Because one of the things that I hear a lot from directors that tell me things like, my teachers need more reassurance, right? They need more reassurance. If you've ever felt like you want reassurance, validation, right? Me, we all want reassurance, validation to be seen. No matter how much we get, it's never enough. No matter how much reassurance we get or however much validation we get, it's never enough to make us do the thing. You can never be reassured enough. And now you're like, okay, I have enough reassurance. Now I'm ready to take the leap. It doesn't happen. You still are terrified in your pants. You're ready to pee. You still do it scared. There's no such a thing as 100% reassurance. When you got married, for those of you that are married, there's no 100% reassurance that the marriage is going to work. You have to do the work. When you have a child, it doesn't come with 100% reassurance policy. This kid's going to grow up to be a great kid. There's zero reassurance in life for everything. You will never get 100% guarantees. Not on your marriage, not on your health, not on your relationships, not on your kids, not on anything. 
nothing comes with 100% guarantee. Everything has a risk. Everything, every single thing that you do comes with risk. There's no such a thing as, oh, I did this. So now I'm 100% guaranteed that that's not going to help me. Please get that out of your brain. There is no such a thing as 100% guarantee. Nothing is 100% foolproof. Nothing, nothing. So what you actually need to start doing is stop hunting for reassurance all day and start looking how to build your confidence so you could take bold and daring moves. You will never be 100% ready. You will always be scared. There will always be a component of fear. That will always be there. The question is if you're going to fall prey to it. You will never get 100% reassurance to feel like, okay, now I feel 100% reassured. I'm ready to dig in. When members join our inner circle, I tell them all the time, there is no 100% guarantees. Here's the 100% guarantee I could give you. If you show up and you do the work and you're committed every single day, you're disciplined, you're consistent, you show up, you do the work, you step back up after you fail, you step back up again after you fail again, you step back up again after you fail for the hundredth time. Here's what I can guarantee you. You will see results. You will see results, but you got to be ready for all of that. The failure, the disappointment, all of that comes with it. Okay. So let's talk about the difference between gratitude and appreciation. Okay. The reason why you need to do gratitude and why it's something I talk about all the time. I had an owner tell me the other day, she's like, how many times can I talk about gratitude? I'm like every single day. I just had a conversation with an owner who's been with us for three years and I asked her to rate her gratitude on a scale of one to 10. She gave herself a six. She's been doing this for three years. Why'd she give herself a six? Because she's human and things have been happening in her life over the last three weeks and she fell off the bandwagon. There is nobody that does everything perfectly and consistently all the time. That is not the freaking goal. Stop trying to do everything perfect all the time. It's insane. Stop it. You're not a machine. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You are going to make mistakes. You are going to fail. Are you going to do it in community who are going to be there to hold you and step you back up? Are you going to do it in the face of great leaders and mentors and coaches who are going to remind you that you're still worthy and you're still deserving and you're still an amazing human being? Or are you going to do it by yourself and listen to your own self-talk that's like, you worthless piece of shit, you can't get back up again. Your brains are a very scary place. Do not go visit your brain by yourself. It's a very dangerous place. We are terrible on ourselves. We bemoan and demean ourselves way too much. We are so self-critical. We blame ourselves. We punish ourselves. We judge ourselves. Don't go to your brain by yourself. You want to go to your brain? Do it next to someone who's really kind and loving, who's going to remind you you're still a good person. Because when you make a mistake, do it in the face of other people who are going to remind you you're human. You made a mistake. I still love you. We all are our worst critics. Do not go to your brain by yourself. It's a very dangerous place. Just like you would never go to an alley by yourself in the dark at night in New York City, do not go to your brain. It's even more dangerous than that. Do not go to your brain alone. You need to do it with community. Do it with good, kind people who see you for who you are. Okay, we are all our worst critics. It's a disaster. Where are my good friends, Sarah and Susan? So I met Sarah quite some time ago. We had a conversation about her school, about her vision, her mission, what she's doing in Sunshine Academy where she lives. And then I later got the privilege of meeting Susan, who joined our directors in our circle. And really what I want to chat with you guys today is about your specific habits in building your culture. I know that it started with Sarah 
working with the staff. And then eventually as she started to, you know, delegate those director and day-to-day operation responsibilities to Susan. And then Sarah started to be more responsible for culture from a more higher, from a more higher level standpoint. So Sarah, why don't you kick off? Tell us a little bit about your school and where your culture was when you first joined us. We, in the last few years, have went from one location with one school primarily having are taking care of students ages two all the way up through 12. And then over the last year have grown to two locations. And I would say our culture, I don't know that we've ever had a really bad culture, but I don't think I quite knew what thriving looked like. And so... I think when we joined, when I started working with you, it really gave me some insight into what was each person in the company's role and responsibility in helping shape culture Mm. and and helping maintain it. And so, uh, you know, I was called Sarah Sunshine when I was a little girl. And so that's where Sunshine Academy came from. So I've always been glasses half full, seeing Mm. the world glasses, but I don't think I really embraced the idea that culture isn't just one person at the top trying to sprinkle it down over everyone. It's really about training each person on their role and responsibility and helping keep it at the top or at the best that it can be. I love that. I love that. So when you think about the biggest habit or I guess one of the top practices that you've adopted when it comes to sustaining the culture, what would that be for you, Sarah? I think it would be the continuous conversations about our values and weaving those into everything that we're doing um, so that everyone understands what those are and the reasons behind why we're making decisions. I think that and also the willingness to engage in those difficult conversations and which sometimes have led to some intentional turnover on our part, but really holding everyone accountable to those values through continuous conversations, I would say is by far been the most beneficial practice. I love this. And you guys could turn to page 19, where we have the question, the school culture is created by default or by intentional design. And what Sarah's really sharing here is there was intentional turnover. There was intentional decision-making around these people are no longer a fit for the company because it's a mismatch of values. Where did you get the courage to make those decisions around culture? I think sometimes we wait too long to let somebody go who's impacting the culture, Where have you found some of that courage and where is it still a struggle for you sometimes? I think being able to surround myself with other like-minded owners, CEOs, directors who were able to view the situation, not from an emotional standpoint, Mm -hmm. but really from a logical, okay, you're telling me that there are these issues in your program. What are you going to do about it? And how are you going to take that next step? I think that's been very beneficial for me. And also my office is primarily offsite now. So removing myself a little bit from the situation to where I could see things more clearly was huge in, I think, establishing the courage or just being able to not be so in the day-to-day that I couldn't see the bigger picture. Can you remind me, what was the second part of your question? Yeah, I guess, where do you find the courage to make the decision about intentional turnover, especially when so many people are in the mindset of we're in a hiring crisis, I can't find anyone. Like, where do you get the guts almost to be like, no, this isn't a fit. Like, we, we need to let go and just say goodbye with grace. Well, unfortunately, it gets easier the more you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so That's I a good one. When we first started seeing that... Um, we were really minimizing the effects of some of the behaviors that 
these certain individuals were engaged in. And so when we stopped and really gave them the value and analyzed, okay, how much is this really impacting our team, our clients, our students as a whole? It was much easier to make those decisions when we we stepped out of the, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, we'll just, you know, we'll deal with it tomorrow or I'm sure it'll get better tomorrow. And that wasn't always the case. Every single person that's on here has at least one person on the team that needs a difficult conversation. Maybe it's not an exit. Maybe it's just a difficult conversation of like, okay, let's really talk about this and really see what's next. I want the courage. I love it. So let me know in the comments. I want the courage, or maybe you need to tell yourself no more excuses, whatever it is you need to tell yourself to draw that inspiration from Sarah right now, no more excuses and have the courage to step up. So Susan, I want to talk to you. Susan's the director of one of the locations at Sunshine Academy and have really been very lucky to work alongside Susan and how she's really developed tremendous skill and confidence and really leading a very diverse and eclectic group of women. So Susan, tell me a little bit about what are some of the practices and habits that you've adopted to consistently build culture with the staff, with the people on your team? Um, Well, one of the biggest things since joining um, the group, your group and your coaching is that it really helped me to draw boundaries mm. because I was the one that did everything and I was always there and I was going to fix everything and I'm not even going to ask you for your input. I'm just going to jump in there. And so starting with my notebooks and watching all the trainings and all the videos, taking a lot of notes, setting clear boundaries with my staff, you know, I, I am friendly with my staff but I'm not your best friend. I have a job. This is my role. I take it very seriously, but it doesn't mean I can't joke with you or, or I wonder about your life. Yeah. But this is my boundary. I and, love that. Um, that was really the foundation, I think, the mm-hmm. starting stepping stone of being able to kind of embrace being a director, even after some years of being one, you know what it really, yeah. really meant. Sure. And I had these conversations with Sarah, my mentor about and in the past year, seeing my role change from director of everything to director of my teachers, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And feeling really strong in my skills, way more confident. Yes. And that's been really big. And like Sarah said, the intentional turnover, like we had to do this was a really, really big step for me, but it, it lifted um, just this cloud, sure. you know, this, this heaviness that sat on me. Yeah, And I'm talking about with a couple of teachers that I've worked over a decade with. I want to pause here. Yeah. And I want to pause here for a second. I want to bring focus to what these, to what Sarah and Susan are sharing here. Notice how none of what they shared so far of their habits and practices of building culture are around shiny manicures and bath salts. Um, It's about values. It's about difficult conversations. It's about boundary setting. Those are things that are not quick fixes. You can't buy them in an instant cart or an Amazon checkout page. They are deep work. It's conversations from the heart and the mind and the soul. And it's not one-time conversation. It's multiple conversations that can feel heavy, that can sometimes feel energy depleting, that you need to rest and recover from. So I just want to draw your attention to that, to notice that building this beautiful culture is about a lot more than that. So Susan, I want to hear from you when it comes to your gratitude practice, because I know that it's evolved over your time in the program. How has that really impacted the relationship and the rapport and your ability to hold your teachers accountable because you have this beautiful practice? Well, 
it's a work in progress for me every day. Sure. Um, I, <laughs> I love your honesty. I was born in the 70s, you know, it's like, it's a little hard. So I do have to work at it. I'm not a big gift giver, nothing like that. So my gratitude is always in words of affirmation or trying to really hone in when I see one of my staff or one of my teachers really doing something amazing and say, wow, I, you know, I saw how you were with so-and-so today and the way you turned this around, I really appreciate that. And, you know, where did you come up with this idea? Mm. You know, asking questions and really watching them and just letting them know that I see them, you know, and I see it when I see their efforts and they know that the same thing isn't going to work two days in a row. Sometimes it does, but that they're, they have a lot of imagination and they're creative and while being developmentally appropriate with the kids. I love that. That goes so much farther than just saying, man, great job. Yeah. I mean, we don't do that with the children, right? We try to be specific. So I try to do that with my staff. I love that. It's really helped me because I finally started doing teacher observations in specific areas. And what I'm hearing feedback from my staff is that they really like that I'm coming in to watch them in certain areas. Can we just acknowledge that here? Can we give congrats to Susan and congrats your future self for a teacher who says, I like that you're coming in to observe. How many of you have staff that are like, please don't come and watch me. I'm a good teacher. I don't know how to do anything when you watch me, right? Really what that is, right? It's what they're telling you is, I don't trust to be myself, to be vulnerable in front of you. And now that Susan's taken the time to build this relationship, they invite her into their world because she's a trusted confidant. She's a mentor. She's on their team, right? She's there to be there with them. And I'm going to walk you guys through exactly how to do specific gratitude in a moment here. Sarah, I want to come back to you here for a moment around the mindset that you currently have now when it comes to consistently building culture, as opposed to how you probably previously viewed culture or the way that you approach it in your practices? I think previously we would identify building culture as, okay, let's schedule a fun professional development day. You're always going to schedule it in February because you know that's kind of a hard month and it's the one and done or let's do order everybody a water bottle or in just kind of those surface level type acts of gratitude or trying to, I don't know why everybody doesn't just think the same things about the company that I do because it was a lot of assumption based and very surface level. Whereas I think now Susan and I both are much more engaged in just those day-to-day small practices, small conversations. Every message that we're putting out there, we're stopping and analyzing, does this preach our core values? Is this, you know, are we being able to really make sure that this is the right step? And is every decision being challenged by those core values? And so keeping that forefront, I think, has really helped our culture because There's been many times we would say, one of our core values is family. And then we would have some of our staff who would say, but you're allowing behaviors that aren't acceptable on our team. You're not really upholding the value of family because you're not taking care of us. Having the courage to make those hard decisions as hard as they've been, I think we've seen a significant shift forward, even so much that we're recruiting people to come and work for us because they've heard about what an amazing place. And it's not that we're paying the most. We're having a lot of people from out of state move here because they've heard about the culture, this little rural school in Montana. I'm going to have time to cry on that later after and get emotional. I think that is one of the most beautiful things I've heard today and in a while. I think that 
first of all, thank you for sharing that because this is just one of the biggest reasons why I do what I do. It's all about the ripple effect. It's all about the impact that the school leaders' decisions and daily actions have on the lives of the hundreds of kids that they're responsible for. And when you come to a place that you're recruiting people and people are moving there to you because the staff want to be there in your culture and make an impact on the children there, that's the greatest gift. It's so much a part of how we're changing the landscape of education. So thank you for sharing that. And it's just, again, this reminder that it's only through the hard work that you get to this beautiful place, right? And they're not done yet. So Susan, tell me what else it is that you're working on, right? You've reached this incredible milestone. People are coming. They want to work in your school. You're not struggling with hiring or staffing or some things that a lot of other schools are struggling with right now. What is next for you guys? You guys are in such a beautiful place. You know, I think one of the things that I'm actually working on, it's every day, like I said earlier, it's my own mind shift that I don't have to be the fix-it and fixer of everything. I'm actually working when I'm out in my classrooms and observing. That's work. It's not that I'm not doing anything, but I have to remind myself, Susan, you're working. This is your director. This is what you're doing. It's okay, you know. I love it. And um, and give myself a little grace for that. And to know that, that I make mistakes and every day and I reflect and I always call it my thinking time is I live in miles away from where I work. So I spend that time in quiet in the morning and in the afternoon mm-hmm. where I go home. Mm-hmm. I just reflect on my day. What could I have done better? What went great? Mm-hmm. You know, wow. You know, and when I always have a question, I do my go-to to Sarah call and go, I got to tell you this or, and it's really good for me. It's I a really that. good daily practice. It's kind of my own self-care. Yeah. You know, that I give myself that time that I'm actually really kind of shifting my role around. And it's a daily practice for me to be out and like, this is good stuff. Yeah. And it's the way I'm just build trust with my teachers is that not just being reliable, but that I'm visible. I love what you shared. It's remembering, right? A big part of your job is not to sit in your office and just do busy work, right? When you're in the classroom, that's work and that's building culture. I think that is so beautiful as a reminder for the hundreds of people that are here live to remember your role as the director, as the leader, your primary role is the relationships and relationships aren't built when you're sitting in the computer screen. They're built when you're connecting, when you're in the classrooms, when you're face-to-face, when you're there, when you're on the floor, when you're building those relationships. Sarah and Susan, thank you so much for joining me here live. Thank you for sharing your story, for some of your strategies, and really just providing hope and inspiration for what is possible when you stay committed to the journey. So thank you so oh, much for joining. Please, yes, please. Yes. I just want to tell anybody out there who feels like they're stuck or feels like this is something that's not attainable. I've been in child care since 2004. I've owned my own center since then. And we've seen slow growth and we've seen slow changes, but really having someone like you that is your accountability partner that's pushing you outside of your comfort level and not just supporting me as the owner and CEO, but also my team has led to the most significant growth and changes that we've seen. So anybody out there that's looking for something or to move forward, get yourself an amazing accountability partner like Connie, because that really has made a huge difference in our program. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. And it's been just a tremendous privilege to work with both of you. So I appreciate the kind words. Thank you both for joining me. So turn to page 21. I'm going to go over today's challenge and then we will wrap up today. 
So today's challenge is the gratitude challenge. What are the steps that you could do to show up with more gratitude? And I'm going to talk about that right now. Step one is writing an appreciation card. So the appreciation card is thanks for helping Sam calm down this morning after his mom left. I know he was really upset and you had a lot of other things going on, yet you stayed calm and patient through the tantrum. We are so lucky to have you be part of the team and are blessed to have you here during as a teacher during this challenging season. Thank you for showing up that way. I know it wasn't easy. Notice how this card for Jenny is different than just saying, hey, thanks so much. This card shows, I see you, I feel you, I'm validating you, I'm giving you reassurance that we're grateful to have you to be part of the team. And the gratitude challenge is to write two gratitude cards to staff members and give it to them. So again, the difference between gratitude and appreciation, gratitude is specific. Gratitude is a card that cannot be duplicated or photocopied for anyone else. Who are the two people that need gratitude now more than anything? And it's the two people that you most least want to give it to. They're the two people that you most least want to give gratitude to. You're going to write two thank you cards to two teachers or your two directors if you're an owner or two people on your administrative team if you're an executive director, whatever it is. And it's going to be two specific cards of gratitude. You could take it and put it on a post-it. You could put it on a card. You could put it on a regular white piece of paper, whatever it is. This is the foundation of culture. Gratitude is the foundation of culture. Building a culture of excellence comes from building the practices. And Susan and Sarah shared a lot of strategies with you. The strategy I want you to start with is gratitude. Thanks so much for joining. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.